0: Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 820, 945, and 1110. You can learn more about First Prez at www.first-prez.org. Amen. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as we continue in our series that we call Movement the movement, the church is a movement. And today our, our scripture is one verse only, Second Corinthians 3 verse 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That went by pretty quick. Why don't we read that all together as a church? Will you say it with me? And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts to receive your life-giving and transforming word. The flowers fade, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. So, Lord, speak to us this morning, we pray. Help us to hear from you and to be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. People never change. That's what they say, isn't it? People never change. People don't change. Well, if that's true, my mirror must be broken. <laughs> One of the joys of coming back home after 25 years and being in ministry here, see, all these pictures emerge of myself back when I was, the last time I lived here, which was when I was 17 years old. And I look at that kid and I think, who is that guy? Who is that kid running around? Colorado Springs. If people don't change, there's something seriously wrong with the mirror in my house. Actually, change is possible for human beings. People change. A large percentage of the cells in your bodies regenerate every seven to ten years. Maybe you've heard that. The brain, even the brain, recent studies say that there is a great deal more neuroplasticity in our brains than they used to think there was back when I was a kid growing up and learning about these things in the last century. Change is not only possible, it's probable. I mean, imagine a person that didn't change. Can you imagine anyone that literally didn't change at all? No, you can't imagine it. We are all changing to some degree. So what do we mean when we say people never change? I think what we really mean is I give up. I give up on, on seeing him change. I give up on influencing her for the better. I give up on my own development. People never change. So I give up. I give up. I, I'll never learn that. I'll never try that. I'll never appreciate that. I'll never overcome that besetting sin. Because people never change. Well, yes, they do well, then what I'm really saying is I give up. Change is not only possible, it's not only probable, but as I think about it this morning, and I hope you'll see, change is actually inevitable. Change is unavoidable. You're changing. Every waking moment, every sleeping moment of your life, you're changing just a little bit. We are not robots. We are not machines. We are not statues. We are living creatures constantly growing, constantly changing, constantly developing until the day that we die. The question isn't, will you change? The question is, how will you change? What will you change into? What direction are you going now, change is, is constant, but it is long and slow and sometimes so incremental that you can't even see it happening. But l- let me tell you a secret. You will always, always change more and more into the likeness of what you love the most. So what do you love the most? Our church is a a ministry of transformation. Ours is a ministry of change. We're we're being transformed. Verse 18, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is a ministry. Ours is a life together of transformation, of changing, of growth, of growing into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. As a church, all together, as individuals, one by one, we are engaged in constant growth, reflecting more and more the glory of Jesus. Let's look at just a few points of this remarkable verse Point number one, we all with unveiled faces. Last week we talked about Moses in Exodus 34. As he received the word of God, there was a glow on his face, but he had to put on a a veil. The presence of God, it caused an external transformation and Moses was glowing in some way or another, but the veil was necessary to prevent the direct sight of the glory. Well, now... We see a new era, a new possibility. Back in verse 16, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We do get to know God. We do get to, in some sense, see God. We, we get to, to know the power of the Lord by his Holy Spirit. We are unveiled, open, unashamed before the Lord. We are now those as we will will turn to the Lord, as we will allow the Spirit to move, we are now those of unveiled faces before Him. We all with unveiled faces. Number two, contemplate the Lord's glory. Or your translation might say behold. Or it might say reflect. Reflect. But whatever translation you're holding, I bet if you look at the bottom you'll see there's a footnote there because this is a very difficult word to translate and it means all those things. It means reflecting the Lord's glory, contemplating the Lord's glory, beholding it. It means all those things together but it carries this connotation with it that the one ref- uh, doing the looking, doing the beholding, the peering into is the one doing the reflecting. Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to him are radiant their faces are never covered with shame when you look when you look at the glory of the lord with unveiled face you behold his glory and in beholding his glory you reflect his glory, His light shines on you. His light reflects off you. The more you see him, the more you look to him and contemplate him, the more you behold Jesus Christ, the more you behold the Lord and look at who he is, you reflect him like a mirror. Like that favorite shirt or that, that bright colored sweater that, that sort of reflects the color off your face. Makes your eyes pop. Don't you have that sweater? No? You should get one. (laughs) What you look at, it reflects off of you. What you contemplate, what you behold, it reflects off of you. The question is where are your eyes? What are you contemplating? What are you seeking? What are you you learning about? What are you pursuing? Uh, Seek the Lord with all your heart. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart. What are you looking at? Is it worthy of reflection? What you look at, what you behold, it will be reflected in your life. And in beholding God, you reflect the glory of God. That's why we worship, you know. You might be wondering, why am I here this morning? Raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand if you want. You say, I know because, you know, he made me come or something like that. Why do we worship? Why worship? Why come into this place and sing like this? Why do these things that we do uh, every Sunday morning for an hour? We, we worship together. Does it seem wasteful sometimes? Does it seem self-indulgent Like, I just wanted a feeling. Have you been tempted to skip it as though it's not the most important part of your spiritual growth, as if it's not the most important marker to hold on your family's calendar? Are you tempted to skip worship? If we're serious Christians, and we're serious Christians, well, we should be out there doing serious Christian stuff. We should be caring for the sick and feeding the hungry and helping the helpless, engaging others with gospel news, holding evangelistic rallies. We ought to be out there doing all that stuff. Well, listen, if we want to do those things and do them well, If we want to do those things and reflect the glory of Christ, we must first come in here and gather in his presence and sing his praise and receive his word and be fed at his table and rest in the fellowship of his spirit and behold his glory in the fellowship of saints, believers one another, shoulder to shoulder before the Lord. We must first come in here. We must be rooted in worship to be fruitful for God. God enjoys our worship. He enjoys our worship because our worship is right. Oh, some weeks I feel like it's the the only truly right thing I did all week. It's worship the Lord. God enjoys our worship because he is worthy. He alone is worthy of our highest devotion and praise. God enjoys our worship because God loves to see us enjoying him, enjoying knowing him, enjoying being in his presence together. God enjoys our enjoyment of him. In worship, we, we, all, with unveiled faces, Behold the glory of the Lord. And in that unveiling, in that beholding, there comes a reflecting and a transformation. Third point. We all, unveiled, beholding, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. We are being transformed. Trans across lines, across our comfort zones. We're growing, we're changing, we're pushing into new territory. We're being transformed into what? Into his image, into his likeness. And this is not a new shape. This is a restoration of all we were made to be. When we were in Egypt, we went to the museum and saw all these statues, these old statues and monuments, you know, that had to be pieced back together. They had fallen apart over time, but they had enough of their shape to be restored by an expert. So it is with us. A preacher a long time ago put it this way, imagine a statue which has been shattered into fragments and in which the glorious image of the king is no longer discernible. The wise artificer and skilled craftsman seeking to regain the beauty of his work shapes it anew and restores it to its former splendor. So it is with us. Afflicted as we are because of our disobedience to the command, we have been recalled to our original glory as the image of God. Believer, you are not done. Amen? You're not finished yet and you're not unchanging. You are being transformed. And as you look to the Lord with unveiled faces, as you behold His glory, you are being restored. Your beauty is being regained, reshaped to its original splendor. You have been recalled to your original glory in the image of God. Your beauty Christians, as you are a child of God, peering into the Lord's glory, beholding him with veil uh, lifted, with your unveiled faces, your beauty is not fading away. Beauty is not found in youth. Beauty is found in the restoration of the image of God in a human soul. You are marching towards the most beautiful person you will ever be as you are being transformed and more and more in the likeness of Jesus. Are you ready? Are you willing? Or have you quit? Have you given up? Because people don't change. Moses felt the glory of God on his countenance. We know the glory of the Lord in our character. Moses was transformed. He glowed externally. We are being transformed internally, more and more, from the inside out into the likeness of Jesus Christ. You are being transformed from glory to glory. Would you turn to your friend and say, you're going to change. I don't know what happened over here. (laughs) Somebody really likes that. (laughs) So we started uh, this week uh, the the training of the elders. Each year it's my privilege to train incoming elders. I uh, whip them into shape, you know. And um, it's a privilege to walk with them, these elders that are called to help us to seek the will of Christ, the active head of our church month by month as we walk forward toward him. And I always have my elders read a chapter from one of my very favorite books, John Ortberg's book, The Life You've Always Wanted. And I have them read a chapter called Surprised by Change, a chapter that tells the story of a guy named Hank. Hank was a grumpy guy. Here's how Ortberg describes him. He had a knack For discovering islands of bad news and oceans of happiness, (laughs) he would always find a cloud where others saw a silver lining. You know Hank, don't you? You know him. His native tongue was complaint, he was fluent. And then John goes on to tell stories about Hank and his life in the church, some funny stories, but then he says this Hank could not effectively love his wife or his children or the people outside his family. He was easily irritated. He had little use for the poor and a casual contempt for those whose accents or skin pigment differed from his own. Whatever capacity he once might have had for joy or wonder or gratitude atrophied. He critiqued and judged and complained and his soul got a little smaller each year. Now, What's the problem there? The problem is Hank, right? We can all agree. Let's get him. Well, it is a problem that Hank isn't growing. But the problem that John Ortberg wants to point out in that chapter is not Hank's lack of positive Christ-like change over the years, but that the leadership in the church was not expecting Hank to change. They didn't think that it was a problem that he stayed the way he was year after year in the life of the church. In fact, the leaders of the church would have been surprised by change, if Hank started to grow more and more in the likeness of Jesus, they would have actually been shocked. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's wrong. We are a ministry of transformation. We are, all of us, every one of us, changing more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ into the image of God restored in us. And if we are not growing, if we are the same person that we were a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, because we've been coming to worship and we've been living in the life of the church and I'm the same darn guy I was, then there is a serious malfunction in the system. We're meant to be growing. You're meant to be changing. And leaders, elders, pastors, members, every one of us, we need to be praying, expecting, we need to be urging transformation and change. It's time to grow in the likeness of Christ. Or, or did we give up? Because people don't change. First Pres is a ministry of transformation. If you're not changing, something's wrong. And that's the first question for the application of this verse for us this morning. Do you see your church as a ministry of transformation? Do you see First Pres as a place of change? The worship we engage, the Word of God we study, the sacraments, the fellowship, the prayer, the service that we do together, they are all meant to change us. They are all meant to help us grow. We are being transformed. Second point, the second question for application is this, do you see those around you, do you see those around you in your life as people in process or people potentially in process of being changed more and more in the likeness of Jesus? You know the old saying, we judge ourselves by our intentions and judge others by their results, right? Well, that's how we are. We want others to, to be gracious with us and see us as in process. I'm in process. So have patience. God's not finished with me yet, right? But then we look at those around us in our lives and we don't want to be patient with their process of change. We look at those around us and think of them as set right where they are. We figure that they're just like cement. They're all mixed up and they're set like that for life, Right? Do we see those around us as in process? The people around you are changing. The question is, what direction are they changing? What are they changing into? The fiction author Gordon MacDonald wrote a story called The Princess and Curdy, And Curdy was a boy with a special gift. He had the special gift he could touch someone. And just by his touch, he could see what someone was going to become either a glory or, or a beast. The people around you are in process. I recently saw posted these two photos side by side. They're the same man. Same man. One picture was when he was at his very worst, homeless, powerless, traumatized, confused. And then this picture. With a little help, with a little bit of healing, he's a restored man. He's in process of seeking wholeness again. And this was not just one of those makeovers where they went to the hair salon, okay? This was genuine life change. Do you see the people around you as in process of change? You know, it's actually a fun way to live. There's a lot of joy in it. When you look around at people and you think, well, here's one as, as far away from God as you can imagine. I'd never even invite them to church. I don't think they would have any interest in Christ. But you, you see people around you in your life and it's just fun to just imagine just for a minute, what if Jesus really grabbed a hold of her and changed her life? What would she be like when she is fully restored in the image of God? Do you see the people around you as in process? But the final question is this. We are a church, a movement, bringing transformation to believers. So, you, child of God, believer, are you being transformed? Are you still growing? Are you still changing? Are you willing to be shaped? Sometimes the change is so slow, it's so painfully incremental, we don't see it, but you are growing. You are changing. You are being transformed. You know, as you are rooted in this community of faith, as you get founded here in these practices of the Christian life, as your roots grow deep into the soil, you are growing, you are being transformed transformed. It's not easy to watch a tree grow, is it? You could sit out there all day and all night and you wouldn't see a single movement, but it's growing. It's growing, and so are you. As you are rooted in faith, as you are rooted in the Lord, as you worship, as you with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord, you too are experiencing spiritual growth and being restored into the beautiful likeness of Jesus Christ. Slowly, slowly, we grow less attached to sin and we grow more inclined to holiness. Slowly, we starve out vice and we nourish virtue and slowly, we are restored until one day there's a blossom John Ortberg writes the goal of such growth is to live as if Jesus held unhindered sway over our bodies to grow spiritually means to live increasingly as Jesus would in our unique place to perceive what Jesus would perceive if he looked through our eyes to think what he would think, to feel what he would feel, and therefore to do what he would do. We are being transformed evermore into the likeness of Jesus Christ. By what power? By what authority? Look again to our one verse. All of this, all of this, it comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. People don't change. Nonsense. People are changing all the time. You are changing, I am changing. What are we changing into? Submit your life into the hands of the Lord. Submit yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Give your life, your whole life, all you understand of yourself over to God. Put your faith and your trust and all you know in Jesus Christ and the Lord the Spirit, the Lord the Restorer, the Lord the Giver of life will guide you into all righteousness and you with unveiled face Will behold the glory of the Lord. You will reflect the eternal glory of Jesus as you are being transformed into His image from glory to glory by the power of the Spirit of God. Turn to the Lord and you will be. You will be what you were always meant to be, filled with the life and the light of Jesus Christ let us pray Lord grant us faith and courage to trust that as we turn to you and turn our eyes to you and behold your glory we are being changed Lord thank you that you love us just the way we are and that you love us too much to leave us that way We long to be transformed. We long to reflect Jesus in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us, that you would help us to see that we are free to change and to grow, to move from glory into glory in the likeness of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Press podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-press.org.